Hi, everyone. This is Jeff Ebert, and welcome to my podcast, Gospel Wabi Sabi, God's Good News for Imperfect People. Sort of assuming that uh, you have been following along this podcast from the beginning, because that's where I explain most what Wabi Sabi means, this Japanese idea of finding beauty in things that are used, things that are broken, things that are worn out. Uh, and that's, I think, the way that uh, Jesus looks at all of us. He sees our imperfections, and it only causes him to love us more. So I hope that's the focus of what we experience through the, this walk through the Gospel of John that we're doing, and watching Jesus as he interacts with people, but also as he teaches and explains the truth about his relationship with the Father and with us. And so we're in John chapter 16 now. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15, and we're just going to jump right into the scripture text. Jesus said, All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. For unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Hey, do you remember the uh, first Jurassic Park movie? Uh, the movie series tells the story of an island theme park that was filled with dinosaurs regenerated from prehistoric DNA. The hero of the movie is Alan Grant, a world-class paleontologist who has devoted his entire life to the study of dinosaurs, but only dinosaur bones, because that's all there's been. So he's invited to visit this island, and of course he's very skeptical that this claim of live dinosaurs is true. So there's this great moment in the movie when he suddenly, for the very first time, comes face to face with real, live, prehistoric creatures. He falls to the ground, literally dumbstruck. The reason is obvious, because it is one thing to piece together an image of dinosaurs by picking through fossils and bones, but to encounter an actual dinosaur, to see it move, to hear it breathe, and later on to have it try and eat you, well, there's no comparison. You know, and I think many of us are sort of spiritual paleontologists. Spirituality amounts to picking through the artifacts of an ancient faith that comes from a long time ago and far away. 
from some bygone era when people saw God and God actually heard God's voice and experienced his awesomeness and his power, sometimes in terrible ways, but sometimes in magnificent ways. But that was then and this is now. And today, that kind of gripping encounter with God, well, it doesn't really happen that much, right? I was visiting with a woman in the hospital this week who told me she was a born-again Christian, Pentecostal, filled with the Spirit person. And as she was talking about that, she said that she believed in the power of God to heal. And then she added this little phrase, but you don't see it much anymore. You don't see it much anymore. And I just really wondered about that. She said it had to do with the preaching wasn't as strong as it used to be. And I had to wonder about that because I think it's the same Holy Spirit still at work now as was at work in Jesus's day and during the time of the disciples. And that's what this passage is really going to lead us into. But think of that, a person who's only encountered God as a spiritual relic. But then by some miracle of grace, you encounter the power of the risen Christ. You step out of the tourist bus excursion through Christianity, and it touches a deep spiritual reality. God is no longer a topic to be discussed, but a dynamic living entity that interacts with their daily experience. And so in today's passage, Jesus tells us how this can possibly happen. It always and only happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, if I were to ask you to describe God, your Heavenly Father, you'd probably be able to give me some good responses. Creator, provider, for one who forgives, and other characteristics of his mercy and power. If I were to ask you to tell me what Jesus has done for you, you'd likely be able to give a pretty clear answer. He died on the cross for my sin. He rose in victory, reigns in power. He's coming again. But if I were to ask you specifically about the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, I think eyes would start to duck, throats would be cleared, and it would soon be obvious that of the three persons of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit is the one we really understand least. So as we've already talked about in earlier episodes, here's just this brief recap of the doctrine of the Trinity. We believe in one God who eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Not three separate gods, or one God who changes form, is first Father, then Son, then Spirit. No. One God. The Bible reveals a God who has a dynamic entity that is in relationship with himself, a relationship described as persons, three persons, revealed to us in terms that we can begin to comprehend. And that's why we use words like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Often this triangle or this uh, trinity is symbolized by a triangle inside of a circle. And I like to talk about the dimensions of space, length, width, and height. That's what's necessary for space. That, uh, or, or time. Time has past, present, and future. Or the universe is time, space, and matter. And these are all huge concepts. Uh, ultimately, the idea of a triune being is essentially a mystery to us. It's beyond our full and complete comprehension. So though we can only have partial knowledge about the Trinity, it is still true knowledge. And the ancient church wrestled with this understanding so deeply. God is a trinity of persons, fully equal, possessing alike the full divine essence, characterized by different functions. And so this was why the oldest creeds were written to help believers understand and begin to grasp this mystery, like the Nicene Creed. Do you remember it? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. And we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's how the ancient creeds put it, the Holy Spirit, not just an impersonal energy force, the Spirit is not like, you know, Popeye spinach that supercharges our lives when we think we need it. But the Spirit is God himself infused into our lives, the one who, who actually indwells every believer. Now, in John's Gospel, Jesus, is, he, he, Jesus repeatedly uses one very beautiful Greek word to describe the Holy Spirit. I hope you're familiar with it. The word is paraclete. It's used exclusively in John's Gospels and in his writings. It's concentrated here because in these last intimate conversations that Jesus is having with his closest disciples, he wants them to understand the paraclete. It's translated here as the counselor. Other translations use comforter. Uh, another one of these places where a single English word doesn't really give us the full depth and, and totality of what is being said. Other translations use helper, uh, comforter, advocate, uh, even friend, to flesh out the meaning of paraclete. Literally, paraclete means the one called alongside to help. Para is the alongside of the word. And think of the words like paramedic or paraliga, called alongside, someone who comes alongside. Kaleo is the calling word, someone who is summoned as in this case, the Spirit is actually summoned by Jesus to come alongside those who believe. Uh, the word advocate is also used in John's writings to describe, uh, it, it's actually the defense attorney. It's the exact same word, the one who comes to the aid of those who are in the legal system who need defense. So the, in the totality of all those different meanings, that's who Jesus, that's how Jesus describes this one that we know as the Spirit. And Jesus is outlining for us in this passage really the basics of what does the Holy Spirit do. Well, first of all, he connects the believer to God in all his fullness. That's the basic meaning, the one called alongside. Jesus is going through death, and then he's going back to the Father in his resurrected and ascended glory. He's not going to stay here on earth. And that's better for us, he says. Not just because it means salvation, but because it means he can now be present to all believers everywhere, all the time. When he was on earth, Jesus had limitations. He had physical space limitations. He could not be in all places at all times. He had a physical body, and that constrained his ability to interact. If here bodily now, he could be with some of us, but he couldn't be with all of us. And so he's telling us it's the Holy Spirit who enables Jesus to be with all believers at every moment, anywhere in the world. To have Christ's presence all the time, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he could promise at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us through the Holy Spirit. He's not some sentimental, wishful thinking. He's saying this is going to be a reality. The Holy Spirit connects all believers to Jesus Christ and to the Father. 
it's sort of like the World Wide Web, you know? Uh, it's kind of, you know, we can all log on at once. It's equally available to all. Billions of individual IP addresses get all linked globally. In spiritual terms, that means the Holy Spirit is the vehicle through which the prayers of a billion people can all come individually before the throne of God and be recognized. God hears us because of this connecting work of the Holy Spirit. And so however we need God, it's the Spirit who comes alongside us, called in to give direction, called in to help our witness, called in to pray for us, called in to help us grow, called in to give us comfort, called in to give us peace. I want to talk about that for a moment, comforter. It's often misleading in the sense that the Holy Spirit is just a comfort to give sympathy so that we are able to cope with things. The Holy Spirit does comfort, and people frequently give testimony of how they felt carried by God through times of grief and hardship with a strength that was not their own, and I believe that. But the original Latin meaning of the word comfort, com forte, means with strength or with courage. The image is that of Greek soldiers who went into battle in pairs so that when the enemy attacked, they could draw back together, back to back, covering each other's blind side. The one who's got your back. That's really what comfort means. In the middle of the test, the crisis, not just to give sympathy, not just to help you put the pieces back together after you've been ripped apart, but to help fight for you, to help fight with you, to help you to be victorious in the battle. Picture a parent helping a child to learn to ride a bicycle, running alongside that bike. You have, you, in that picture, you have a partial picture of the Holy Spirit. Or think of a paramedic coming upon the, the scene of a tragic accident, and you have a partial picture of the Holy Spirit. Picture your battle partner, and you have a partial picture of the Holy Spirit. Second, the Holy Spirit convinces the not-yet-believers in verse 8 convinces them of three things. First of all, sin. The people who killed Jesus didn't think they'd done anything wrong. In fact, they thought they were serving God by killing a blasphemer. Many of them found out in just a few days how wrong they were and thankfully had to change their minds. What was it that convinced them to change? It was the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus's resurrection. When the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and they began to publicly speak of Jesus' resurrection, Peter, this rugged fisherman who had been afraid of a servant girl and had denied Christ, now had become one of the most powerful individuals almost literally overnight. And it was the coming of the Holy Spirit in a special way to indwell those apostles and believers that gave Peter the, the very first uh, sermon recorded in Christian history. And it was electrifying. You can read it in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What shall we do? What was it that convinced the multitudes? It was not Peter's eloquence. I mean, I'm sure he's a pretty good speaker, but it wasn't eloquence. It was the Holy Spirit. 
Again, in Acts 5, verse 30, the people are cut to the heart by the preaching, but Peter is simply a tool of the Holy Spirit to speak through him into the hearts of the people there. When any person becomes aware of the sin in their life and turns, it to, turns their lives over to Jesus, it's only because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the preacher. It's not the witness. It's not the friend or the family member. It is the Holy Spirit that brings spiritual awakening. We don't do it. We don't pressure or box people in. No way a person will repent just because someone was pleading with them or screaming at them. It's the Holy Spirit who does it. That's why prayer is, is probably the most important part of evangelism, because it's spiritual work, praying that the Spirit would take whatever words that were spoken, whether through Scripture or through a personal witness or through a sermon, but that the Spirit would take that and He would penetrate the hard hearts and bring repentance. That is not something that can be manufactured through human ministry or a glitzy worship program. The convincing has to be done by the Holy Spirit. Now, People have a hard time admitting they're sinful. They want to justify ourselves all the time. We want to excuse ourselves, as I talked about before. And probably the most thing people do is they compare themselves with others. I'm not that bad. It's hard to swallow, but when God breaks through, that's when people recognize their condition before a holy God. They see an awareness kind of breaks in through the work of the Holy Spirit because they recognize they're in the presence of a holy God and all their pipsqueak little excuses about why they act the way they do just fall away. Any of that self-justification, when you recognize the presence of a holy God, that self-justification just falls away too. And so third, righteousness. People will be convinced that Jesus is right and that he is the righteous one. Not a criminal, not a heretic, not a lunatic, not just a good teacher, not just a prophet, that he is the very son of God. He's the one who convinces people of the rightness of the son of God. Do you believe? Have you accepted? That's because the spirit of God has given you the confidence to move in Jesus's direction kind of move right in close to him. God's holiness and righteousness are the standard, not how we compare with each other. And then judgment. Convinced that when Jesus died on the cross, Satan was defeated for all eternity. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, it was the end of the line for Satan and for sin. It was not a battle between equals. It was not yin and yang where the outcome is uncertain. No, it was victory secured. Christ vanquished evil, conquered death itself, opened heaven wide. Satan has not been destroyed, not yet. He's still allowed to do some damage and mischief. But from God's eternal perspective, it's game over for evil. Defeated then and defeated now in our lives by the reliance on the Holy Spirit. The Spirit also conveys the truth. Verses 12 through 13, any person who grows in their faith it is, in, it is only because of the work of the Holy Spirit. If anything gets believed, if anything is understood, if anything gets digested into your life and applied into your life, it's not just the good teachers, it is the Spirit. The Spirit uses us as instruments of His work to take the words of Scripture and make them real and active in us. And I hope that is happening through this podcast, that it's not just whatever I have to say, but that the Spirit would take what I've prepared and that the Spirit would apply it to the hearts 
of the people who listen. It's why we should pray before we open the Bible. It's why we should pray before we go to church. It's why we pray before we hear a sermon. It's why we should pray before we listen to a podcast or any kind of Bible study online. We should pray and let the Spirit do His work. It's not left to us to decide our own personal interpretations of what we see in Scripture. Reading Scripture is not about my feelings. It's not about my experiences. Those things do not determine the truth of God. God has to reveal himself to us, and his word is the truth. The Spirit helps us then clear away our cobwebs so that we can grasp, clear away our prejudices, our preconceived notions, all the ways that we want to mangle and mistreat Scripture and massage it so it says exactly what we want it to say. And gosh, that happens so often when you see the way so many people are trying to manipulate Scripture today to say exactly opposite from what it actually says about so many cultural issues of our day. God reveals himself to us, and his word is the truth. The Spirit helps clear away all that dead wood, all that stuff that we can put up in opposition, clear it away so that we can understand. People who don't, who, who read the Bible without the Holy Spirit, they're not going to get it. They're just not going to, you can't get it. It's just black ink on white paper apart from the Holy Spirit. It won't make sense. But when you read scripture and you see it come alive in a person's heart, that's exciting because you know the Spirit is the one communicating. That's how spiritual growth happens. No spiritual growth comes without a deeper understanding and application of Scripture. Let me just say that again. No spiritual growth happens without a deeper understanding and application of Scripture. And no um, renewal happens within the larger church unless there's a deeper commitment to the Spirit in understanding and applying the truth of Scripture. Understanding and applying are two inseparable things. We need the Word and we need the Spirit working together. If you have just the Spirit alone, friends, people veer off into some awful crazy things, some extreme charismatic expressions or false doctrines or fuzzy morals or just a feel-good, you know, God loves everybody all the time, period. You know, that that's, that's what happens when people divorce the Spirit from the Word of God. No, it's got to be together. If, uh, if they are devoted only to the Word, well, then that's when faith becomes rigid and cold and legalistic. We need the Word and the Spirit working together. That's God's plan. It's like the old sign that say, All Word and no Spirit, we dry up. All Spirit and no Word, we blow up. Both Word and Spirit, we grow up. Have you ever felt the power of Christ at work in you? Have you felt his strength? Have you felt his comfort? Has you felt his victory, his energy, his fighting for you? Has God ever brought you peace when the world brought you pain? Friends, that's the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt convicted? Have you sensed a stab of sorrow for your actions, for your sins? Well, that means you've been touched by the Holy Spirit. He uses your conscience to awaken your heart. Have you ever had your mind open to a deeper understanding of God? You've gained some new insight to Scripture. It came alive for you in a new way. There were new applications in your life. You all of a sudden had some aha moments when things just kind of like they just clicked. Now I understand. That's the Holy Spirit 
conveying truth. Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 25, If our lives are centered in the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. That's the J.B. Phillips translation. Let me say that again. If our lives are centered in the Spirit, then let us be guided by the Spirit. Let us walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Do what the Spirit tells us to do. Don't be content to be a spiritual paleontologist studying ancient relics from the past. Don't do that. Whether you realized it or not, the Holy Spirit is already in you and already at work in your life if you're a believer. You wouldn't be coming to this podcast if the Holy Spirit wasn't already at work in your life because he's the one who actually even gives people the desire to know God. So God is at work in you right this very moment through the power of the Holy Spirit. He will connect, he will convince, he will convey. All that Christ is and has, he gives to you through his Spirit. That's a pretty powerful thing. I hope you'll reflect on that a lot this week as you walk closer to Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. Have a great week. 